Welcome to Sound Off, WKNC's daytime music podcast, where we discuss some of the latest news and uh, review some of the hottest new releases from the independent music world. We're back, and uh, things have changed a little bit. I'm DJ One still, also known as, well, in real life, Michael Jones, and uh, I have a new host alongside with me. Very excited to introduce you all. I'm uh, DJ Shorty Shorts, or Sean England. Oh, England Sean England, as <laughs> I always call him. So we're here to... Uh, Get back. It's been a while. We've been on a bit of a hiatus. Just this crazy students with our busy lives outside of radio. But uh, we're going to get back into it. And we have uh, on plate for you today the debut from Fat Possum's new band, Tennis. And uh, the sixth studio album from The Decemberist. Uh, all that and more. But until then, let's get on to some of the latest news, shall we? Sounds good. Yeah, I'm honored to be in here. I'm uh, I'm ready to get into it. All right, let's do it. So the first uh, topic that's kind of sprung up in the past week is there's this rumor that was going around that the Gorillas were breaking up the fantastic project from uh, one of the former members of Blur, but it doesn't actually seem like that will be coming into fruition. Thankfully, yeah, it's kind of a weird thing that uh, so many people can pick up a story. And write about how they've already played their last show, even though they just released a new album. It's just kind of interesting how people think a band can fall apart. Yeah, they, they can. They just put out that album that Damon Albarn had recorded or edited yeah. on his iPad. Yeah. And he put it out over or during the winter. Yeah, I think he put it out like Maybe right it was Christmas. Over Christmas. It could have very well been, but he had hinted at some points that. It could have been the end for his project. And of course, any sly remarks to do that drives the internet bloggers insane with rumors that they are breaking up. But since uh, the act, uh, since Auburn has come out and said, no, no, we're not actually <laughs> breaking up. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I was under the impression that they were just because I, I didn't really have time to read many of the blogs. And then all of a sudden I... Uh, did a little research and found out that they, yeah, they probably aren't. No, yet. <laughs> thankfully, thankfully, but it does kind of speak to that crazy internet culture of music now, yeah. and where rumors get spread like wildfire and misinformation is spread like bad diarrhea. Okay, it just goes everywhere. <laughs> it's bad times for everybody. What is it called? The bloggerverse or something? Blog blogosphere. Blogosphere. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Let's never use that word again. Although we probably will many times, but uh, thankfully, uh, they will continue on. So, uh, any last thoughts? Well, uh, just there. I enjoyed their last uh, full album. Though. Yeah, definitely. Plastic Beach, right? Plastic Beach. Good. I enjoyed it. Played a lot on the radio. That's very true. Uh, so let's get into the next story. Now, recently, the White Stripes have recently, or why did I say recently twice? <laughs> the White Stripes are no more in the fact that the duo Meg White and Jack White will not be touring nor recording any future material together. But that doesn't stop old Jack White from getting into a million projects, including the Raconteurs, uh, Third Man Records just in general, and of course the Dead Weather. The supergroup, I guess you could call it someone of a supergroup between Alice and Mosshart, uh, Jack Lawrence. There's another guy whose name I'm forgetting, and of course Jack White. And uh, speaking of guys that have kind of been everywhere, Danger Mouse is among the few. Uh, we'll be speaking about Broken Bells a little later, but 
He worked with uh, James Mercer just recently to put out the debut album for Broken Bells. And it seems as if these two will be collaborating together. So two masters of collaboration at the present moment coming together to collaborate on another piece. And there's actually several artists in this work. Uh, I think Nora Jones is also mentioned as well. Gotta love that voice. Yeah, it's pretty outrageous how how involved Jack White can be. Definitely. Just all over the board. He really, I feel like he never sleeps. Probably doesn't. <laughs> that would explain a lot, actually. Yeah. He is pretty pale. Oh, that's just mean. <laughs> You're attacking his looks now. It's all gone downhill. And we just started like 10 minutes ago. Well, I oh, love man. him. I'm a big fan. Yeah, no, definitely. But let's... What do you think about these two coming together in particularly? Because they both seem to be from such what seems to be different musical backgrounds. I bet they share a lot of the same taste. Just in that old kind of, I'm Jack White. I like to listen to old 45s from like blues artists from Nashville. Well, I feel like they're both, uh, I, I feel like they are intentionally, well, I mean, they, they both do a lot of things with different artists. Danger Mouse, for instance, the Grey album, you know. And Definitely. Now, and now going to working with uh, the guy from the Shins. Can't say I remember his name. The uh, work itself is entitled Rome, I believe, right now. And it will be released in the United States on May 17th on Capitol Records for all those that are interested in seeing just what this collaboration of very diverse yet outstanding backgrounds will bring to uh, your music ear holes, as I like <laughs> to call them. Right. Yeah, I feel like uh, each of their genres or their creativity, I think they'll bring their collaboration. Should be a lot of fun because, yeah. especially with James Mercer, who yeah. you wouldn't suspect to fit in so smoothly with Danger Mouse. It just came across really well. Yeah, it did. Because you have this kind of low indie pop. Yeah. To an, a, like hip hop artist, basically. Kind of. Yeah, it's weird. I. I get, he's just involved with hip hop, but I I almost don't feel like I can put him into a genre right now. Yeah, especially when he's working with people like Nora Jones and White Stripes on right. uh, not White Stripes on uh, Jack White. Hey, right. He was basically the voice for me. Burn. No, I'm kidding. I'm sorry. But uh, before I get myself into too much trouble, let's move on to the final piece of our little news section. It's actually isn't well, somewhat newsy. But it's the Grammys are on Sunday, February 13th. So they're coming up. We have no idea what the results are. We are as blind as all of the people living in our present. You may be listening to this in the future, in which case, how is it like in the future? Can you tell me? No, you can't, sadly, no. <laughs> it's, uh, it's 2011, by the way. Oh, so yeah, no. We don't know how far. We could have just... This is 1967. Well, technically, no matter when you listen to it, you'll be listening to it in the future. That, oh, that's true. Oh. So smart. We we would take the same philosophy class. Uh, <laughs> so let's get on to the Grammys. Let's make a couple of just guesses here, or maybe predictions, what we think could possibly happen. But among the big artists that we know and love, Arcade Fire is put up for an alternative, or not just the alternative, but the album of the year with their fantastic release, The Suburbs. Uh, they have a pretty stiff competition. I mean, they're going up against many commercial artists of the yeah. same type or more commercial i should say big big names eminem lady antebellum lady gaga of course katie katie perry very uh very popular always top 40 uh you know chart toppers but 
Yeah, the the triangle very honored to have a merge signee the arcade fire. Yeah, no, that just speaks to how great of a year they had. They have a, a couple more, I believe, that were were they nominated. Oh, well, they've had others that have been selling very well in the past, especially last year. There right. was a you know spoon did very well. Uh, what is it? She and him. She and him gaining did, popularity. That's that's very true. The the weight of Zoe Deschanel with the massive fan base and boy love everywhere <laughs> and Immord with a lot of just oh, the, Immord man I'm a big fan <laughs> you have a, you have a man crush on Immord no that's cool I know other people that do as well he's a very talented man so uh, Arcade Fire among those with album of the year do you think they have any chance whatsoever of taking this home I think it's almost impossible as much as you know as much as I would like for them to have a chance I just don't think it's possible uh, you know the big names what the Grammys ascribe to I feel like is you know popularity which i guess is semi-appropriate what what america likes the most i guess should win you know i think a common trend is that it's let's swarm around one artist and give them everything basically and my my biggest speculation this will be the year of lady gaga once once more maybe meat dresses will be in the future as well who knows well with someone who has so much money now and so much time and is pretty outrageous. I think, you know, she's only going to get more popular because she's only going to do more stunts. And she has another album coming out pretty soon. The new single just got released a couple of days ago. Right, right. So it's, I'm thinking it's a, it's a Lady Gaga year. I hate to say it. Poker face. Oh, gosh. Well, I can't say that I know too much about many of these artists. I don't really listen to them. So it's hard to How snobby of you, Mr. England. What's well, not snobby? It's okay. just, you know. This is realistic. No, it's fine. So let's move on into uh some of the other categories in which several independent artists are located. Uh Best New Artist contains quite the mix. Uh including Florence and the Machine, Esperanza Spalding, Drake, Mumford and Sons, and of course, uh this may be your personal favorite, I don't know, Justin Bieber. Uh I can honestly say I have never been affected by Bieber fever. No, oh, I got the shot a couple months ago, so I've been I've been clean okay, ever good. since. Yeah, good for you. I don't want to. Yeah, so again, it, it's the same problem. Do you? Bieber seems to be such a f- favorite among the masses, and by masses I mean teenage girls. Do you think they that people that have been gaining steam like Florence and the Machine? I mean, she's been appearing on like Dancing with the Stars and Ellen DeGeneres and she did Saturday Night Live and uh, you know bands like Mumford and Sons who have played these fantastic shows on uh, like David Letterman right do you think they have any chance at pulling this one I don't know I I you know I feel like uh they definitely do you know they are really getting popularity I I see them or hear them in commercials like you said they're playing uh on late night shows on well any talk show they're uh, they're getting plenty of national airtime, um, both on TV and on the radio, and uh, yeah, I think they have a leg- I think they have a much more legitimate chance. I I don't know. I, I'm just gonna go out and say I think Drake will take this one home, because he, because he borders that line of being very top forty, yet having that new artist scent to him. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. And and it's been a pretty well acclaimed album that debut of, of Drake's. Right. So 
that's just my prediction. I'll know Sunday night and by Sunday, I mean Monday morning when I read it. <laughs> or on Twitter. It's going to blow up all over Twitter. Yeah, actually, something fun. I remember the last time I really enjoyed watching the Grammys was when the White Stripes played and just rocked the house. Just had a great show. And now I feel like many of the people that play on the Grammys, they're just not fun to watch. But I would like to say that my personal favorite on that list of Best New Artist is, in fact, Esperanza Spaulding. Oh, okay. I, re- I really like her. She's, uh, she's got that great jazzy jazziness. Jazzy. <laughs> but yeah, so. You know Florence and the Machine will be playing in the Grammys. And Mumford and & Sons, if I'm not mistaken, and I will double check this, will be playing alongside Bob Dylan. Ooh, that'll be interesting. I have no idea how that's gonna work yeah, out. Yeah, it's getting such, old. Yeah, it's such a you know, I've a lot of my friends that have gone to see Bob Dylan. You know, you want to see that legend, but I hear the general opinion is utter disappointment. I mean, come on, that Christmas album that was gold, right? Oh gosh, who wants to hear an old Bob Dylan singing uh, uh, "Santa Claus is Coming to Town"? I don't know what uh, what songs that he covered on that, but yeah, people just. Oh, poor Bob. He's getting up there. God bless him. Yeah, no, Mumford & Sons will be performing with Bob Dylan. Fact-checking on the spot. Woo! Yeah. Ding. So, uh, final category, and this is the one that I guess we can make a more definitive claim, Will. Uh, Best Alternative Album of the Year, Arcade Fire of the Suburbs, Band of Horses, which surprised me up there with Infinite Arms, Uh, The Black Keys with Brothers, and then Broken Bells with their self-titled debut. And Vampire Weekend with Contra. So before before you even go to explaining, just which one do you believe will take home the cake? It's and by cake I mean Grammy. Well, it's hard to say that it won't be Arcade Fire. You know, nominated for Album of the Year. You know, so now in this subcategory, it's almost it almost has to be them. If they don't like pull that out, then that would be just mind blowing. Right. Un. One thing that I could see possibly happening in my dreams, that is, of course, Arcade Fire win Album of the Year, but then Black Keys take home Alternative Album of the Year. That would, yeah. That's that's one of my predictions slash hopes and dreams, and also Florence winning uh, Best New Artist. See, that would make my little heart explode with joy. <laughs> well, that would be, I, I'd actually enjoy that a lot, too. Um, I feel like this list of Best Alternative Albums is really just kind of, my general opinion of the Grammys now, these are just really big names, definitely good albums, but in the realm of, you know, alternative music, I feel like there were much better albums than this list. The National, where's The National? I love that album with all my little heart and soul. I don't see it up there. You actually had a a podcast not too long ago about how disappointed you were in Band of Forces, didn't you? Did I speak of Band of Forces? I might have been. No, it wasn't a podcast. We just recorded it. I recorded it with DJ Ellie May. Uh, this was before the end of last year. So you can check out WKNC.org slash blog for info about that. But yeah, I think I put that up. Was it? Me? I don't know if it was me that put that up. I'll have to check again. Maybe it was right. DJ Ellie May. Maybe it was. But it was still discussed about. There was some of a letdown. But they're still a big name, and I feel like that's why it was so easy for the Grammys to just put them up there. That's Even true. Even though it was a good album. And it sold a lot, too. Yeah. And sales sales are often uh, a quality of Grammy award winners, i.e. Lady Gaga and Justin Bieber. Right. Because Justin Bieber isn't critically acclaimed 
in any stretch of the imagination. It's just, he sells a lot of records, and 14-year-old girls love him. I thought we were over that phase. I had a big problem with NSYNC and Backstreet, Backstreet Boys, Boys in my day. <sighs> now they're fun to, you know, to sing at parties, but back in my day, I could not get over how much you know the the girls were <laughs> crushing were on these jealous of the battery boys i was extremely jealous. oh me too oh well it's just the our, the plight of our lives so what so you're saying suburbs taking home the bacon i you I, know i also think that the suburbs will win this award if they don't win album of the year which i doubt they will do i think best alternative is going to the suburbs and i think the black keys are really going to get snubbed this year unless they win for what best rock track for Tighten Up? Right. Yeah. I uh yeah, suburbs have to take it. I liked Band of Forces, but it just didn't didn't do it for me. Uh the Black Keys album was good, but uh overall I think the suburbs is better. Broken Bells was the same way. And I have to be honest, uh Contra was sort of a letdown. It has good tracks now. I go back and, and think they're good classic vampire weekend songs, but the first Vampire Weekend album was just too, too great for me. The the bar was way too high. Yeah, no, really... I agree. That was a fantastic debut. But uh, I think that's just about it for news this week. Um, we, we might come back to this topic of who if if they win, of course. And my heart little explodes with joy. I'm gonna blog about it, of course. <laughs> but well, uh, yeah, that would be a it's a very unlikely string of events. Yeah, but we'll it see. would be great. So let's get on to some. Uh, Album reviews. Now, the first album that we'll be talking about this afternoon, or I guess whenever you're listening to this, it could be 3 a.m., in which case, go to sleep. Uh, But anyways, after after you listen, (laughs) yeah, and download all the other episodes, and listen to them too, and then you can go to sleep. Yay. All right, so the first album we'll be talking about is the debut from uh, the duo Tennis. Now, they just released, of course, their first record uh, off of Fat Possum. It's called KP. Cape, um, I can't pronounce it. Cape Dory. Cape Dory, really? Yeah. yeah. Oh, now I feel like an idiot. <laughs> well, yes, this is the first release from Patrick Riley and Elena Moore, uh, which I I'm a huge fan of from the moment I discovered them on the internet. Um, they have a very cool story. They met at uh, the University of Colorado in Denver, uh, and they immediately fell in love and decided that when they graduated, they uh. They majored in philosophy, by the way. And uh, when they graduated, they decided that they would buy a boat, sell all their possessions, and live on the boat for a few months. So they did that, and then when they got back, they had such trouble relating their experience to their friends that they decided to create this wonderful album. So uh, I had the uh, great pleasure of reviewing it when it came in. And uh, I said that it is, uh, you know, a good connection of, of a indie, of a new age indie, and a vintage feel, and what I, how I can describe this best almost <laughs> is that when I listen to it, I want to dance on the beach in a male one piece bathing suit, <laughs> throwing my keeping thumbs, it classy, throwing my thumbs over my shoulders. I don't know. I'm trying to demonstrate. You can't see it right now, but he's doing it, ladies. So, so if you listen to this <laughs> album, uh, you know. Think about think about that dance move, and I think that Put it will that come naturally to you. Image in your head of of England, Sean England, in a one piece on the beach, throwing his thumbs over his shoulders, 
<laughs> and make sure it's I, I'm thinking of one of those you know 40s like cotton male bathing suits <laughs> with like a good solid stripe horizontally <laughs> across the chest of course but uh so let's get other thoughts on the record I just really enjoyed it I I actually have to be honest uh from what I'd heard before it came out I was really excited but when the uh when I got the album I feel like it's almost a little too lo-fi I, the music quality is just almost almost not there but I enjoy the songs enough to to not even care well those demos were a lot rougher her vo- uh the female vocals were pretty harsh to say the least when those first demos started hitting the internet and it seems as if in this album they really softened them up and you can hear her range and her ability a lot more but I do agree there are a lot of points when there's kind of a clash between the instruments and her voice and that kind of covers it up and there's a bit of confusion there and it kind of gets on my nerves in some cases and it happens occasionally in Marathon, which is my favorite track. It happens, and it's a little bit of a nerve that it strikes. But overall, I can get over that. I think one of the issues that they fall in is they kind of get into this trap that a lot of debut albums do, and where they just oversaturate the listener with the same sound. Hmm. And that kind of drives me a little crazy. Yeah, that's true. And I think Best Coast did this as well with their debut and. uh I believe we actually reviewed that on Sound Off, so you can go and listen to that one. And I probably said something very similar. And if I didn't, call me out. And by that I mean don't actually call my cell phone because that's creepy if you know it. Um, if I don't know you, and uh, email us soundoff at wknc.org and tell me I'm wrong if I am. But I don't think I am because this idea that it kind of is not overdone, but it's just done a lot. And that's not saying it's bad necessarily. It's just saying it can get old on the listener. Uh, my recommendation for tennis would be in short bursts, right? Like right. this isn't an album I particularly enjoyed going through all at once because at the end I was just exhausted from hearing the same sound. I wanted a bit more change from track to track, which yeah. is one of the reasons I love Yuck's debut so much, but that's a completely different album for a completely <laughs> yeah. different day. Well, yeah, I think you said it well. I think, uh, honestly, sometimes I can get in that mood where I do want to listen to it a lot. And every time I, it comes up on my shuffle, I want to listen to that track. But you're right, it can, uh, when when an album has such a unified sound, it can, it can wear on you a little bit. I think that uh, their live performances are going to be awesome. I'm really saddened that I will not be able to attend their first Triangle visit, but uh, I... Look forward well, to like official trying. I think they've done like house shows around right. the area, Probably, yeah. but playing in a venue definitely. Yeah, I think they'll. I think they'll be really good live. Yeah, it'll be exciting. Uh, if so, if there is a track that was playing in the background while you're in your striped one piece, uh, bathing <laughs> suit of cotton material while throwing your thumbs over your shoulders, what song would that be? It's hard. Maybe Longboat Pass or South Carolina. South Carolina has such a fun atmosphere and to beach. it. Yeah. They have nice beaches there. Yeah, they do. Oh, so, well. so yeah. I, again, I'll, I'll just reinforce it. Marathon was a standout. That was the one that was, uh, I think, most acclaimed in those rough demos, but it kind of stuck with me. And when they really cleaned up her vocals, I think they made it all the better. Yeah, I mean, they I, they even have some slower tracks. Pigeon, which was, uh, they had a really good video. There's a really good uh, live recording of that, which they did for years truly. Um which was which was wonderful, I thought, and that's actually where I thought they were going to be much cleaner. Um, 
but yeah, like Bimini Bay is pretty slow, but uh, but it's got a good feel to it. All right, and with that, let's move on to uh, our second album of the week. Oh, you're grabbing some CDs here. <laughs> it's the Decemberist. It's their sixth studio album released on Capitol Records uh, from the Organ Group. And uh, let me look up that. Why? It's The King is Dead. Right. So let's get right into this one. England, Sean England, first thoughts on The King is Dead. Well, what I initially heard from a lot of my friends that, that really liked the Decemberists was uh, that it was back to their roots. You know, it was, uh, you know, what how they used to be. But I've also read a lot of reviews that say it's, you know, really different and it's really folky. And though it does have... Uh, you know, a lot of harmonica and uh, some good, you know, uh, d- classic Decemberist sound. I think, what's the song? All Arise. That has some of the hardest harmonica. But all, overall, I think it's I think it's some good classic Decemberists. They, uh, you know, they have some good music that adds to the vocals, which are very distinct and you know, almost there calling card if you will but uh i don't feel like they rely on his voice as much as they have in past albums so i i enjoyed it yeah there's definitely an emphasis on these on these kind of very americana based uh instruments and just to make a a broad claim this is something that's very enjoyable it's not abrasive at all so it's something that you could listen to with your mother in the car uh yeah it's, it's nice music there's a lot here to take home uh, if you could choose one song in particular that really stood out to you. Uh, well, you know, immediately, Don't Carry It All, the first track, I think is just a, um, I don't know, it, it just carried the album for me. Definitely. It's a great start. Uh, I really love that when an artist can put a really good album there at the beginning. It makes you excited for what's to come. Although in some cases, man, eh, yeah, it's, it's hit it or can, miss. It can be the worst. It, yeah, it's, it's really a double-edged sword, if anything. But uh, that was fantastic. I really enjoyed Rise to me. Now, this is the third track. It's kind of slow, but one thing that I think this track in particular has, uh, that a lot of this album has in general, and just the Decemberists as a group, is it has a lot of heart to it. Definitely. Yeah, and so that really makes it all the better. And uh, it's it's pretty consistent overall. I don't yeah, think there was, definitely. There was too much there that'll really, I don't know, make you quench up. Well, I did think there was if kind a of a turn, quench. Quench? No, quench maybe thirst. it's quench your thirst. Clinch. Clinch, clinch uh, up. Yeah. <laughs> Close enough. It's all right. Yeah, very similar word. <laughs> I thought actually during the song January Hymn, which is the fifth, I believe, the fifth track, I think there was kind of a turn where it was very vocalistic, if that's you know, appropriate. But um, after that, I think it was just... Uh, a combination of what you got from the beginning of that uh, very good coalescence of his voice and the music and also uh, just this new, you know, January hymn, All Arise, June hymn. It's kind of, I don't want to say Southern Baptist, but it, it does have that kind of Southern influence. Yeah, from a from a Northwestern band. Yeah. There's a lot of Southern influence here, a lot of country instruments a lot of instruments that are typically used in country music uh make its appearance here but i think it's just it fits together so well in how they're able to layer the sounds and how they're able to just get across a message however or whatever it may be so uh well when you come down down to the south it's it's hard not to pick up a little 
bit of influence. It's very true. What is that? Oh, I don't know the saying. Never mind. <laughs> if I could think of it, I would say it. But And if you know it, you can email us at soundoff at wknc.org. <laughs> Tell us that saying. Yeah. <laughs> Guess that saying, and I'll, I'll give you a high five if I ever see you in public. It'd be pretty phenomenal, because I have to say I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> give them no frame of reference. And <laughs> if you can come up with the saying that I was trying to think of... <laughs> It'd be pretty. It'd be pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, definitely. All right, I think that's just about it. Um, once again, if you have any albums that you believe we should be reviewing, or articles that we should discuss, email us soundoff at wknc.org. We're also uh, still on the Twitters. I gotta start that back up since it's been a while since we've recorded one of these, and I believe it's at wknc soundoff. Well, uh, I don't think we have next week's albums, you know, picked out. Just at the moment, there's tons of new material that we can choose from. Oh, yeah. And uh, we'll probably discuss that after this one. But uh, until next time, we'll see you later. It was a pleasure. Thank you.